This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And fall out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me, as always, my good friends and co-hosts, Eric O'Branson, Ryan Steiskel. Gentlemen, how are we tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I'm uh, I'm doing okay. I will say this much. I want to I want to say this first before anyone else does. Um, for what we're reviewing tonight, uh, this was the weirdest episode of Doctor Who I've ever watched. Right? <laughs> I was so headcanoning that the whole time or trying to find oh, a way to do it. Oh, oh, <laughs> and and I, it I got I got works. something for you guys too if you don't know about it already, but I'm gonna wait. Anyway. So <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you know what? We usually do a little bit of like shoot the shit before, but you guys just wanna jump right into this one because like, Oh yeah. This one's fun. Oh yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Oh I mean, shit. Tonight we are going don't to be like discussing... our shoot the shit anyway, but you know so. Well tonight we're gonna be discussing the nineteen eighty eight British horror film. The Lair of the White Worm. You will have the honor of being sacrificed to Dionin alive. There is a legend of an ancient evil. Something's been found in Stone Rig Castle. A legend that no one would ever believe. The legend has Stone Rig Cavern was the lair of the Dampton Worm. Unless, of course, it came right up and bit him. One, two, three, four! I hear you're having trouble with a snake. Diana was a pig snake god. I'm snake watching. As if they were just swallowed up. John Dumpson went a fishing once, a fishing in the weir. He caught a fish upon his hook. He thought, look mighty queer. Now what the kind of fish it was, John Dumpton couldn't tell. But he didn't like the look of it, so he threw it down a well. Ha! We must take the word worm to literally. It's an adaptation of the Anglo-Saxon virum, meaning dragon or snake. Ah, uh, the experience of a lifetime. Now the worm got fat and growed, and growed an awful size. With great big teeth and a great big mouth and great big goggle eyes. So John set out and cut the beast and cut it into halves. And that soon stopped it, eating babes and sheep and lambs and cows. From the director of Altered States and the creator of Dracula, a new movie of venom and vengeance. Ken Russell's The Lair of the White Worm. I'm famished. We stop on the way for a bite. Uh, watch out for your ass. Okay, so who saw this one before tonight? Or before the recent viewing? Nobody? No. That's no. what this is I... the first time for me and uh I didn't even yeah. I didn't even know it existed. In fact, this was literally a last minute like, hey Ryan, you wanna watch this movie? Sure. It's got Peter Capaldi. Yeah, I'll definitely watch it. I love Peter Capaldi. And I'm like, I was not disappointed. <laughs> but not what you expected. 
Oh God, no! Like oh. it's it's like it makes you kind of wonder, like, am I enjoying this? Because it's kind of like slow. Then it gets, I'm like, oh, it's kind of weird. But at the end of it, you're just like, yeah, I think I enjoyed this. I didn't think I was going to, but I really fucking did. So I, I guess I'll, this is really kind of a first viewing. I know for, for Ryan, Eric, you said this was a first viewing for you as well, right? Yeah, but it's a movie that I've been aware of for years. Um, something that I'd wanted to see for a long time, but I've, I've read about it and, um, you know, and some of Ken Russell's other work as well. And I've not seen a lot of his stuff. Um, I've seen like, obviously I've seen Tommy, the who's Tommy movie that he directed and altered States is another one that I enjoy of his, mm-hmm. but beyond that, there's a bunch of his movies. Like I know by name and, and haven't seen And Layer of the White Worm is like right at the top of that list. In fact, I can remember going into, I think I brought it up on the show, but there was a, we were in college, that little kind of like independent video book slash bookstore that um, yeah. dude owned down by Quattro's Pizza, kind of. Yeah. Um, I used to rent, go in and rent kind of like culty movies from him all the time, and I had that VHS tape in my hand. I know my freshman year, uh, I had a stack of like five things, had to put something back, and that one went back for some reason, and I just never got around to seeing it again, so... Mm. Um, yeah, it was one that I've always wanted to see, and it did not disappoint, honestly. <laughs> so, so I, I don't I remember giving away what our reviews are going to be here. I, I don't remember the first time I saw this one. I, I really don't. I know that I was aware of it when it came out, so I was I would have been about seven years old or so. Um, and in nineteen eighty eight, this one came out, and there was another movie, another snake movie, in nineteen eighty eight was Serpent <laughs> and the Rainbow. And as I was telling Eric before we recorded, I remember my, my remember asking to watch both, and my parents saying, "No, you can't watch Serpent and the Rainbow," and "Hell no, you can't watch Lair of the White Worm." So it was always this kind of, in my own head canon, there was something about this movie that was really forbidden, and probably because, and it definitely had a sexual tone just in the previews and in the the box cover and everything, um, mm-hmm. and. I always associate it, oh, it's probably because there's a lot of, like, you know, gratuitous sex in it. Not to say there isn't, <laughs> but it's definitely a theme. So, it's, um, I, so, yeah, just a real quick, give us a, a, a cap on it here. Um, this is, yeah, Layer of the White Worm, directed by Ken Russell, produced by Dan Ireland, William J. Quigley, Ken Russell, and Ronaldo, I'm going to butcher his name, Vasconellos. I actually didn't. The weird thing is yeah, this book is based incredibly loosely on <laughs> a book by the same name by none other than Bram Stoker. Yeah. This was his last book and absolutely despised by critics and readers because yeah, I it didn't not, make any fucking sense. I had not really even tied this to Stoker in any way. Uh, I know you mentioned it when um, we were kind of talking about doing this movie last week. And, um, yeah, then upon reading about it a little bit, I found it, you know, it was kind of an afterthought written years and years after Dracula at the end of his life and is not a well-loved, <laughs> um, piece of literature. So. Yeah. And Ken, again, Russell's, Ken, Russell, Ken Russell took many liberties, supposedly. So. He, he did. Um, so this was, I will say, <laughs> yep. I was going to say, I will say maybe not a great book, but holy shit, perfect B movie material. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yes. yeah, yeah, and Ken uh, Russell's done with it is yeah, nice. what he's done with it definitely. The the thing is that it's incredibly loosely based. Um 
Probably so, for the best. Yeah, it was. It's distributed by Vestron Pictures. It stars Amanda Donahue. Hugh Grant really gets top billing, though I would say that yes, a young Peter Capaldi is a bigger character. Um, Catherine Oxenberg, at, at least equal. Or I don't know at least I don't equal. Get, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Catherine Oxenberg, uh, Sammy Davis, and Stratford Johns, um, as well as a couple other cast members that I I recognize that I'm going to be bringing up, but. The, the basic summary of, of this one, Angus Flint, played by Peter Capaldi, is a Scottish archaeologist, uh, he's an archaeology student, and he's excavating a site in England near this, like, Derbyshire bed and breakfast, and with there's these two young, or not young, but two women that are there, and there's a bit of a <laughs> budding romance. They're not, like, really young, you know what I mean? Um, I, I know, but if they're, like, listen, like, fuck you, Joe! It's well, so... I mean, like, they're not kids. It's not creepy. No, it's no. Dark. They're definitely, like, in their, like, mid to late 20s. But see, yeah. so the, the girl's father's been missing, and his pocket watch is recovered in a cave that is uh, near a location called Temple House, which is the stately manor of this kind of strange, eccentric woman named Sylvia Marsh. Uh, meanwhile, you also have the the character of John Dampton, played by, uh, who's tying in this whole Dampton worm myth, which yeah. is loosely based on an actual myth in England about this large snake-like monster. It's a sea serpent, but in a cave uh, that yep. eats people. And Hugh, giant snake, essentially. Giant snake, yeah. And Hugh Grant play, uh, plays James uh, Dampton, who is like the, the ancestor or the, the, or sorry, the descendant of it. Um, honestly, the story is pretty much Dracula. In a lot of ways, yes. You know, <laughs> basic thing about you've got eccentric millionaire in a big estate is actually evil. And you, you've got a Van Helsing-like character. You've got a Jonathan Harker character, a little bit of a combination of them. Yeah. You've, you've got a Mina and Lucy, essentially. Yeah. It's Dracula. It's like the latter half of Dracula, the, the English part of Dracula, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it's very English. Yes. So, yeah, and I guess that was one of the big things that really caught me is how this one is. And actually, I've read in some of the, after I watched it, I went and read some reviews about this, too, and um, also of the book, more of the book, and which this whole concept of, like, this snake cult, which is a big thing in, in the movie here, uh, a snake vampire-like creature, um, <laughs> is uh is a very minor part of that original book i tried reading the book description and it didn't make any sense i couldn't follow it um but yeah, it sounds like most of the like main plot points are there in the book but that it's a little bit more of a like murder mystery um then the film doesn't really take that angle at it at right all. i mean <laughs> yeah, it's a monster movie so. it's a monster movie they, they borrowed like the creature part of the book which isn't a huge portion of it um but yeah one of the common complaints i saw about the book layer of the white worm is you know brom stoker had a, had a brilliant idea with dracula but it seems to be his only idea and this one is just not developed he never yeah. really got this one developed um but i wanted to uh talk a little bit about just the general story storyline like we just, you know we're talking about here like it's it's very similar to, to dracula but um any any thoughts ryan with you like were you able to follow this one i almost feel like this has a little bit of that lingering uh bram stokerness to it where it's kind of like what the fuck where is this going 
It's um, but not off-putting. But I want to know what your thoughts. Um, you know what? I, it's funny that you asked that because I've never really sat and thought about it. Because it's one of those movies like the plot is just it's there as like a guide, but it's not really a rule. <laughs> it's <laughs> um, and like even the God, even some of the. Um, like, the, the characters don't even really live up... Like, you don't have, like, a single main character. It's, I would say this about it. This movie, it's it's weird, but it doesn't actually have a main character. Because you think it's going to be Hugh Grant, or you think it's going to be Peter Capaldi. Um, but it's like, if one's not around, then the other one just kind of dominates the story. And if either neither of them are around, it's just um, the vampire snake queen herself... Um, and that's pretty much how they go about it. Like, you don't, you think you can guess, like, the archetypes. That, that's the thing. It just, it, like, all of those are just wiped off the table. And it's just like, oh, I guess this is the hero of the story. I thought he was just going to die and it's going to be the other guy. But no, it's this guy. Oh, okay. So it's, it's very interesting how they go about it. Um. I actually felt like even Mary Trent should have been the, mm -hmm. like, main characters. Uh, since it's like the whole, like, the basis of the story is kind of set up around their parents disappearing. It's kind of their mystery. They're the ones that kind of spur, um, you know, even even John Dampton to get uh, interested in what's going on. You know, and 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 um, Angus Flint is a character be that is connected to all of it because he's staying at their boarding house. However, the the ratio of screen time does not treat them as main characters. No, not so at it's all. Interesting. Like, no, yeah. but I, I weirdly enough, I'd say like you don't know about it at. It's a weird movie that you don't, you can't really predict what it's like, what it's going to be, or how to judge it until you actually finish it. And after you finish it, you're like, I don't care. I kind of, I kind of weirdly enjoyed this. Um, where it's like, I don't even, like, I don't care who's to root for. Like the ending, which I'm pretty sure we'll get to, is like that was the mo the way that this movie ended was with a moment where I'm like, this is what makes me like this movie. <laughs> yeah this like with how this movie is so loosely kind of like constructed yes like th the way that this ended is perfect way to end something like this. something as ridiculous as this yeah yes and like that's beautiful and once again like weirdest uh, this flowed like an episode of doctor who like i kind of made the joke because <laughs> capaldi's in it um uh but it's like it's got that same feeling of like, oh, here's these characters that are only introduced for this one episode. <laughs> That's yeah, what it yep. feels like. You, you take, you take uh, Peter Capaldi's character, Angus Flint, and um, Mary Trent, and just make them the Doctor and you know companion. Yeah, and you have an episode of Doctor Who. Like, you don't have to change anything else. No, like, the... okay, it's a little more adult than some of them are, but it, it would fit, you know, and they'd be in like the uh, wilderness years kind of novel range where they were trying to kind of adult it up a little bit. Like you got a Doctor Who story here. Oh, oh totally. my god! And you could even start it out with the Doctor digging a hole and he finds a skull and he's like, ah, oh, look at this shit, you know? Yeah, exactly. You totally could. Like, and by the way, I just I just gotta say, from like, okay, so he's an archaeologist, but he's digging up like ancient organisms. All right, well, I'm not going to get into that. That's totally different. <laughs> right. I was I was thinking about you that when that was happening. Yeah. I'm like, what's I, Joe I thinking? I fell, I fell in love with his character right away, though. When he starts talking about stratigraphy, like, I know that's older. Why? Because it's underneath. I'm like, that's a way to use that superposition, motherfucker. Nice job. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, we got Capaldi. And then he actually says a line. 
after he kind of figures out what's going on later in the movie, you know, he's on the phone with Hugh Grant and he goes, I'm going to need some time for, to, for research. And I'm, I actually said, fuck yeah, sitting on the couch watching this. <laughs> I yeah, shouted at my... Just, just don't know everything right off the top of their head. Like, I'm going to need some time for research. And I was like, fuck yeah, you do. Because that's what we do. <laughs> Hell yeah. Cool. <laughs> so yeah. that was... That I was just picturing like the great, 80s man. montage, take it to the limit, and just showing him in the fucking like yeah. lab. Um, blowing shit up. But that oh, didn't, yeah. they, don't, they don't actually reading show the, the library, science. Just reading and reading and reading. Well, that's yeah. the thing. The the phone, and that's how this this weirdly is paced. I'm like, okay, we're gonna follow Compaldi as he reads research books, figure out chemicals. No, we follow Hugh Grant as he sets up. No, he doesn't even set. We don't even see the setup. You see him talk to his butler about setting up a speaker system. This movie <laughs> right. is so much exposition. They oh don't God. show much at all. Can we? Yeah. No. They just they explained it. everything poorly. Well, let's talk about, you know, and that reminds me of, um, like, the main thing that I got out of this movie from the first frame of it, essentially. Like, the, even the advertising, the logo they use, the, uh, like, the, um, and that, that's kind of the first frame of the film is the, the title uh, card for the film. Um, everything down to it taking place, you know, in the English countryside and old manor houses. Like, this is a Hammer movie. Like, yeah. it's just, like, every beat of this movie. And so, like, right away, I'm just, like, instantly, like, it's got me. Like, because it just, yeah. like, feels like... It goes a little bit a little bit more batshit, but even, like, later Hammer stuff kind of had this, like, the weird kind of um, over-the-top uh, stuff that, that, that goes on in this movie. This is a bit, perhaps a bit more, dare you say, like, psychedelic than a Hammer movie might have been, but who knows? They probably would have gotten there eventually, too. Yeah. They, were already, they already sexed them up a lot towards well, the end Well, I mean, I, I, one could make the, the argument shit. that Vestron is kind of the next stage from Hammer. Yeah, I yeah, I yeah. do want to say that just adding to this, I will. This movie is the perfect definition of I got the strange strangest boner right now. <laughs> yeah, it, wait, I, wait, that's not supposed to happen. Do, <laughs> do we want to explain why that is? Can we talk about the phallic imagery throughout this entire fucking movie? Oh God! Oh yeah, that was a big. <laughs> no pun intended. That was a big part of the. Uh... Oh yeah, um, of the climax. <laughs> usually is <laughs> in many cases um yeah because i guess that's what really gets me about this movie is the story is actually pretty standard fare yeah. the characters are pretty basic uh you know high school playhouse like yeah we're not like i said it's dracula it's the same yeah. fucking template as dracula and we've seen that so it's it, it, that's nothing new um but that's the how we're going to take this template and just go that shit with it um yeah is really what what keeps you watching i think this movie is almost impossible to hate i'm sure there's people that do it's oh yeah i'm sure there's people that but, do, but I, just, I have it's gonna be those people that just aren't into or can't have even like a second of suspension of disbelief or like have fun with something that's a little off kilter. I mean, I don't think, I don't think any of Ken Russell's films are going to be for that person. No, it's but just like, that's, that's but I, I will go out on a limb and say that they are wrong, <laughs> <laughs> that they can't hate this movie. And it's for one scene, one scene. And that's when Peter Capaldi is playing the bagpipes. I love it. And the cop <laughs> yeah. vampire snake is doing big chubby guy with a lazy eye. 
Yes. You know, doing his shake and dance like, like a cobra being hypnotized by the music. Now, here's where it goes deeper. That cop plays the character, or that, that character of the cop, Ernie, is played mm-hmm. by Mr. Paul Brook, who is a retired British actor who you may know as Malakili, the Rancor Handler from Return of the Jedi. Oh my god, I did not know that. There is. So oh there's god. a scene... Until I started reading, and then all of a sudden it clicked, so... There is a like scene I, yeah, in a movie that. where the Rancor Handler does a snake dance to Peter, to Doctor Who playing the fucking bagpipes. Yep. Which was, again, was a total Doctor plan, by the way. Absolutely. Like, I could see that. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. He even... They even if have this the... wasn't Peter Capaldi, I'm not sure I'd be have drawing all these lines, but you know. So I I will say this for Capaldi's performance, like he's he, everybody's pretty lackluster and boring in this movie, but in the act three, Capaldi steals the show, yeah. uh, in a very nerdy, quasi doctorish way with the scene. Which, by the way, this is the scene that I was telling my girlfriend today while we were like waiting for flu shots at Target. I'm like, listen, if there's anything you need to know about this movie, the 12th Doctor is playing bagpipes for an overweight, cockeyed police officer with snake eyes. Which, by the way, they put the contact lens on the lazy eye. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. It, the, that attention to detail with shitty effects. <laughs> um, and it's just the slowest chase scene. Like, literally, they don't move the frame. <laughs> like it, they keep the frame and they just kind of run around this fucking fountain no the sundial because that's how he gets impaled and it's just capaldi with bagpipes and then of course like he's like you're just thinking like he's got to run out of air at some point like you think that as a moviegoer like like it's suspending your disbelief then he fucking like goes out of breath like oh i fucking can't do this i'm like there oh my god i'm back in <laughs> it's like i'm yeah. back in <laughs> It's like, I how did you, that, how did this B movie it, fucking bring me back in? <laughs> the fact that you have the Rancor Handler doing the, the, the snake belly dance. Oh, while The that's... doctor plays the bagpipes. I, it's impossible to hate this movie. You can oh, strongly I, I dislike it, but hate, like, like visceral hate. No, because even if you're not a Star Wars or a Doctor Who fan, that exists. Joe, was this <laughs> the scene? more powerful than your hate. <laughs> This is more powerful than you can possibly imagine. It is. Um, Joe, is this the scene that you're saying, hey, if you don't watch this movie, there's one scene that you need to watch? Yes. Was this the scene? This yeah. is the scene. That yeah, is no, scene. this is the scene. You weren't wrong. This is, like, this is beautiful. Holy shit. And you know what? I actually have to say the makeup effects in this are a, a kind of clever, creepy, I haven't seen that before. Like this oversized yeah. Oh, yeah. snake fangs and the, the spa- spraying venom on Oh, the sacrilegious imagery in this movie is just delicious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, snake vampires in general is such a fucking Doctor Who thing. In fact, it is. Now that I say that, like um, the Venice episode with the Eleventh Doctor, where they yeah, had the vampire. Vampires of Venice. Yeah, vampires of Venice. Thank you, the one Whovi- like one of the Whovians on here. By the way, watch, yeah. uh, listen to Jer- Eric's show about Doctor Who. Uh, sorry, just trying to pitch for you. Um, no, oh, no. Thank you, appreciate it. But no, those fanes, that's the only other time I've fucking seen it was in a Doctor Who, given they weren't that's snakes. Long. They were more like, um, I, what would you say, like anglerfishes, like, kind of? Yeah, kind yeah. of, yeah. Anglerfish, like something aquatic. I think, 
I don't think they actually ended up drawing the lines back to Curse of Fenric, which is a Seventh Doctor episode, but they had kind of like aquatic vampire type creatures in that as well. But um, uh, one yeah, of the few so classic Who's that I've dwelling. seen, yeah. But, but yeah, like I was gonna say, and it, it does kind of remind me of, of Doctor Who in a way that I feel like the makeup effects in this are kind of classical in a way that 1988 it doesn't quite fit in 1988 so it's another thing that reminded me of you know classic british horror movies like hammer and amicus movies um the, just the way they did the makeup effects it, essentially like the, the the lead um villainess in it um she amanda donahue is in when she's you know finally goes full snake or full monster at the end of the thing she's essentially just you know, blue painted with some cool fangs and, and eyes. <laughs> yeah. and it, it it reminds me of like, you know, 60s and 70s horror and fantasy films, um, you know, like the Sinbad or Clash of the Titans. I guess Clash of the Titans was an, almost an 80s film as well. But uh, And she's just dragging yeah. fucking so Capaldi something... to the fucking just <laughs> naked blue woman with fangs dragging Capaldi. Yeah. I'm like, this is the weirdest Doctor Who <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, it is just seemed very classical, so it didn't seem like it fit in the '80s as much as it just felt like it, you know, was a throwback. And I, I think that's part of what I really enjoyed about it, because that's, you know, out of our, as much as I do love our '80s and '90s movies, I, I certainly have a soft spot for classic monster movies. Yeah, and this really did kind of call back to those again, because it's yeah. kind of it's a, it's based on a rehash of Dracula. Um, and, and I've actually heard people that actually have read the book Lair of the White Worm that do understand it also say, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a, a really shitty rehash of Dracula. Um, so I don't know what inspired you know this one to actually get made, but yeah, it's this is a supposedly Ken Russell was just given this book like he he wrote a Dracula script that was never picked up, and. Hmm. Um, Somebody, you know, uh, down the chain, I don't know how exactly the story goes, um, just handed this book out to him, like, hey, have you ever read this other Stoker novel? Maybe you could do something with this. Kind of, you know, obviously the coffin nail <laughs> had been put into his Dracula script and it was never getting made, and maybe he could do something with this. And he read the book and hated it, apparently. Mm -hmm. But saw enough there to kind of, like, work with, you know, doing an adaptation that eventually became this movie. Well, it's um, it, it the 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 creature effects in this one <laughs> are amusing. It's Doctor Who, big white worm <laughs> going, you know, open shut, open shut, big snake like thing. Um, yeah. it's it reminded me of the Rancor in the the special edition. Um, no, Sarlacc. The Sarlacc. The Sarlacc. Sarlacc. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm getting confused because we were talking about the Rancor. Yeah. I was yeah, going to bring yeah, it up if you were. Uh, right. yeah. yeah, it just kind of sticks up. Not and you the know original Sarlacc where it's just a hole with some spikes, but the uh, yeah. Yeah, where they give it a beak Sarlacc. But... Yeah, where they give it a beak that I expected to say, feed me. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, it, always, it, it bothered me as I watched this one that, you know, again, Hugh Grant is getting top billing, but he doesn't really do much. He just offers no. a lot of exposition. Does Hugh Grant ever really do much? Oh, he gets the weirdest dream sequence. He does have he the does, weirdest but... dream sequence. Yeah. Oh, the dream sequences in this need to be discussed. Oh. They're the best. They're wow. The, oh my yeah. god. <laughs> there's 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 some offensive ones. Um, 
probably one of the most batshit creepy. If you would just show somebody that scene, the first uh, when she touches the the stuff on the wall by the, the, the venom, yeah, 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 um, that fantasy or dream, whatever you call it. Um, if you just show somebody that out of context, it, I, I think you know somebody might just go crazy, like right up, right there. And then you were talking last week, Joe, about not having a concept of that like Lovecraftian lose your mind thing. Just oh. start showing people just that scene. That would like, that okay, would do it. Where yeah, you, yeah. You know what? You 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 guys are talking about that scene with the nuns and the the Romans. But for yes. me, the the scene is the fucking airplane dr- dream sequence. That is the one that's yeah, that like. Was... It's not Lovecraftian, but just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Especially with <laughs> yeah, that actually, boner pen. The, so, the the dream sequence is like just the kind of. Um, I keep looking for a word, and I keep going back to psychedelic. It's not quite because of, you know it's not like swirling lights and you know. It's batshit uh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's surreal. Surrealism, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, to to a certain extent, it's. <laughs> It's so fucking very no, symbolic. I mean, the nun, the nun it's very right young. Out of a Salvador Dali painting, honestly. No. If you could put bring one of those to life, it's like... I thought of it more as like a. Actually, no, it's more like it's like a Sigmund Freud, um, <laughs> dream in every fucking way. Because, like I mentioned before, all the phallic in it, imagery. Yes, and that's throughout this entire film, and the it, whole it plays thing. right into well, I, I mean, just right down to the the layer of the white worm being the title of the the film and the way it's you know this thing kind of punching its way up through this like just the, the way they present the worm coming up to I don't know, yeah everything is very foul symbolism like, well again and, and i'm sure ken russell just being who he is is, is, is very aware of that it, you know so uh, well and you know we're, we're comparing artists and and philosophers and psychiatry you know to, to this movie but really those dream sequences are right out of a hieronymus bosch painting yeah, there yeah, you that's go. A much better comparison. The, the that's palette, a, that's the a good, symmetry, yeah. all of that. Yeah. The, the, and I'm the, sure that was a, that was right where oh, he's getting it from. Had to be. I mean, it's it's you know, garden earthly delights and all that shit. It's it's right there. Um, but I think that kind of adds to it because you're watching this really weird British movie, and all of a sudden, what the fuck? Why is there a Hieronymus Bosch painting moving in front of me? Uh, <laughs> with you know, all of this random perverseness and stuff, but. Yeah, I was really digging this movie even before that, just because of kind of the classic kind of throwback feel it had to it. Um, after that scene, the, you know, the nun orgy, nun snake orgy, um, I think that's what got me. It didn't take me all the way to the end to be like, oh, I really love this movie. Like, the, after that scene, I was like, okay, I love this movie. Like, I already made up my mind. That... I have to really go south to fuck this up for me now. <laughs> Listen, Eric, I've never really questioned you in my life. I'm like, oh, he's a pretty timid guy, but when you told me, like, that's the scene, like, I love this movie, now I gotta start wondering about you. <laughs> just, it was, like, one of the, like, craziest, like, just because it's just nothing about the movie is, is putting you in that mind space and then it's there, and then it's, like, back to you know the regular narrative of the film and it's like wow okay they're this is gonna do things i didn't expect like <laughs> yeah the strangest that, boner that, that, that's yeah. it and you know what's <laughs> yeah, amazing about this one though is the reception of it was pretty mixed mm-hmm. it and was. it's a it's a b movie i mean robert it's... ebert himself said it's a perfect b movie he gave it two out of four stars perfect b movie yeah yeah um, but it has its detractors, and 
I don't know. Yeah, the, actually, even to this day, it's Rotten Tomato score is, and I know that's based on a, a mostly contemporary reviews, but it's Rotten Tomato scores is sixty five, which is just on this side of fresh, which I'm not sure. Like that, that kind of surprised me. I, I kind of expect it to be a little better. Being what it is, I didn't expect it to be a ninety or anything. But um, yeah. Well, it there are some things in it that are just bad. Like the some of some of the the, the creature effect is pretty bad, it's charmingly <laughs> bad, but it's bad. Yeah. Um, there are some things though that just really, you know, got me. Like the uh, Ryan, you were talking about the ending, and I don't mean like the ending ending, but towards the end, after the the beast has like been slayed and all that. Oh. Yeah. And they have this conversation, uh, Capaldi and. Uh, and Hugh Grant had this conversation at the end, and it's really rough exposition that's hard to sit through. It's like, let's, I'm just going to, Hugh Grant, especially, I'm just going to sit down and calmly and Britishly tell you of everything that happened off screen. Yeah. And yeah, like, weird. they never explained why he was at a cave, like, he was at this cave. He wasn't even in the fucking, like, final act. It was just Capaldi no. No. in a kilt I and a grenade. I thought he was going to be the, you know, end up being the hero, being he's Hugh Grant. He's the one that's, you know, on the cover of the, you know, original poster and DVD art. Well, they even um, say his character is the, an- his ancestor is the one who slayed the fucking worm and shit. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah so I up. expected him to hero it up. I didn't expect, you know, our boy Capaldi to come come out being the hero of the movie, which, of course, I'm overjoyed about, but it was weird. Yeah, but even, even in interviews, Hugh Grant was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm really excited to play this role because it's symbolic. I get to, you know, cut the big worm thing in half. And it's like, no, you don't. You don't do, unless you're ca- counting the puppet at the yeah. beginning. I'm pretty sure he just didn't fucking remember doing this movie. I don't know what he was, you know. What he Same. Was drinking, snorting or whatever, but like, yeah, his interview snippet that they have on the Wikipedia page, he claims that he was the hero of the film and killed the worm. It's like, did you watch this movie? Were you in this movie? Like, it wasn't even cut in half. <laughs> it was blown it was up blown by Capaldi in yeah. a kilt. Yeah, I mean that's the old story, the legend, the painting, all that stuff is you know the the his ancestor Dampton cut the worm in half, but. All he did was yeah. sit in a fucking, like, cockpit of... No, not cockpit. Well, technically. Well, he just sat in a plane with, a, like, uh, using symbolically a pen as an erection as he watches two women fight. Yep. That's all, that's the most excitement that he's shown in this entire movie. Everything else, he's just that rich goody two-shoes who's just like, I'm not even sure I'm here. And I'm like, I'm not even sure he's acting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and you... Like I said, Hugh Grant's not an incredibly versatile person. He's an actor. He's always going to play that aristocratic British guy. Like, <laughs> but he, um, yeah, it was weird. It's even weird in a character sense, like because it kind of seems like it sets him up to be. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised that Angus Flint ends up being our hero. Um, in a way. In a way, yes. Yeah, Joe, you were you were bringing up the ending. I'm sorry. Oh no, just that that exposition was really painful. Um, yeah and there's which, a couple which was, points like that yeah which was kind of surprising because i think in the beginning the way they introduced the whole dampton worm mythology is done really well and there's a couple of things i wanted to point out about that um first there's uh the the, the myth itself is based on an actual uh northeast england myth of the lambton worm so they changed the name but it's pretty much the same story uh you know in in old english you know worm and dragon were kind of interchangeable 
so it's mm-hmm. a big dragon it's a dragon slaying story um but so they they changed it a bit but in the beginning of the movie there's a uh like a, a dampton worm festival that that they do and there's a band playing a song now the 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 lambton worm myth does have some old folk songs and one of those was modified for this movie for the dampton worm song yeah. I first heard that song though back in college because it was that version from this movie was covered by the Irish punk band The Tossers. <laughs> yeah. Also uh, a very Capaldi thing for those who know Capaldi's background. Yeah. 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 But yeah, if you haven't heard uh that song we'll probably play it here in a bit, but um, yeah, that oh, was, that's how we're going to end the show. Yeah, <laughs> that was kind of a fun one. Here was could was, not. <laughs> I mean, because I'm watching this going. I've heard this song before, and my wife's looking at me. Sarah's going like, "How do you know the words to this?" I'm like, "Fucking tossers." And then I started reading up. Yeah. Like, okay, so the Lambton Worm, there's a folk song, and they modified that for this movie. And then the tossers must be in the late '90s, early 2000s. Covered that. Yeah, from this, from this movie. From this movie, it is the Dampton Worm, right? It's the one it, from the it's movie. It's the Dampton Worm. Yeah. Yeah. John Danton went a cool. fishing right. once, went fishing off the weir. Yeah, all that stuff. It's the same same tune. Yeah, so I, I think I remember hearing cool. that on the Tossers version of it. And in fact, that's probably the only one prior to watching this I would have been familiar with. But So, we're getting close to the idea of the end. Yeah. But before we talk about the very, very end, which I really want to do, we should... Let's talk about the villainess. Yeah. Oh, she kind of deserves some God. attention. Yes. Yeah. Amanda Donahue, Lady or Sylvia Marsh, Snake Lady. <laughs> she. Um, no, go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say she is. If any, like I've mentioned, everybody, including Capaldi, they're kind of boring for a lot of parts. Um, Capaldi saves himself in the end, but she is just fun to watch from the start to the end. Yeah. Yeah, she's awesome in this movie. She might be one of the things that helps make this such a, you know, for me, such a great movie. She is cast kind of perfectly because she's obviously an actress that's like not afraid to over, you know, overplay her villain a little bit and just have fun with the with the role. Um, but also, she's perfectly cast because she is obviously she's a very kind of sexual character, a temptress. But I feel like she's just the right amount like even as just like when she's pretending to be just a human character just the right amount off-putting and sexual uh so you never feel right about her like there's something just kind of like listen gets under your skin right away this is just perfect for the character like strangers boner right now like that is the catchphrase of this fucking movie (laughs) like she not only provides it she has it feel watching it not you know not literally but you know there's something kind of she's very sexual and there's something there's kind of an attraction there but at the same time it's like there's something just so off-putting about her and it's just it's a great performance i think it it really is and actually i would say i want to bring up paul brook again you know malakili once again because (laughs) even his performance cap yeah ernie ernie the uh the cp he even when he's vampire snake you know hypnotized and stuff he, he i gotta hand it to a big guy that can walk around that long on set hissing with those fangs <laughs> in his mouth all of that kind of snake-like stuff is is really quite quite cool you know like i know in movies where you know they 
they'll have the actors practice how to move like a certain creature or something like if they're making a Lion King movie kind of a thing. You know, like, okay, now let's go watch the elephants and see how they move and work that into your performance or, you know. When they made Jurassic Park, they, they had all the, the uh, 3D animators go look at how ostriches run around and then they ran around the parking lot so they could understand the movement, which was mm-hmm. ridiculous. I just imagine the set behind the scenes on, uh, you know, Lair of the White Worm, and you've got Amanda Donahue and Paul Brooke and so on, and they're all just like, okay, we're going to be snakes. You know? Oh, my they're God. Just slithering. But she does it so well. When she comes out of the basket, it's so I was so going to say the fucking corny. basket. It's so corny. That but it's That should have been terrible, but it works so well in this well, movie. Well, <laughs> let's, just set it, let's just set up for those who haven't seen it. So they realize that if you play music... These people get in a trance, like you would with a snake, like a dangerous snake. snake. Yeah. So Hugh Hugh Grant's fucking character plays these, has these giant fucking speakers on his house because they're neighbors, blares this fucking record, and then for some reason they cut back to her in her mansion. No, no lead up to it, but there's just a giant human sized basket, and the <laughs> lid opens, and it's just her rising up and doing this dance for like a couple seconds, and they pan away. And then she just starts dancing throughout the house. But you just sit there just going like, why the fuck was she in the basket yeah, before the music played? What was she doing, played? What was she doing in the basket? A snake, and that's what snakes do. They come out of the basket when they hear the music. It's... But what I mean, like, but why was she in a fucking basket prior than the music? It's I like, mean, yeah, there's no reason except it just makes it a, a fun snake scene. Like, that's just. I know. I know. I, I know. I love the fact that it exists. I'm like, this is so stupid. I love it. Like, this had to exist. And it's an image. When you look that would it have been up, a terrible it's an idea image. in another movie, but in this movie, it just totally works. Well, and then there's the, it the scene. It wasn't weird. The scene where the the Trent was it the mother is watching the television. Yeah, and yep. she sees Lady Sylvia doing a dance with a big Burmese python. Oh, it's a video. She's watching a, a video. She's on watching TV. a video yeah. of her like making out with this Burmese python, and the goddamn thing's got its mouth open like towards her. I don't know how Amanda Donahue didn't get struck in the face by that thing. Because that was not yeah, a happy I, snake. And then she starts no, sticking its not. head in her mouth. Yep. I was going to oh, say, they, again, there's like almost like fellatio snake. Like, big snake. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. So much fellatio. This is one of those <laughs> movies I just would not have been comfortable yeah, on the set. I was going to ask you about the, the snake thing about you know this whole movie being kind of snake based like you being somebody who does have a bit of a snake phobia a bit hopefully i'm not outing you on no no (laughs) i I, i've come to terms with it like they make me uncomfortable yeah but i can i've been around them enough like just doing field work or knowing people that have snakes where i don't like freeze up if somebody shows me a picture of a snake or if i turn around and somebody's got a snake if if i'm like walking down the street and somebody turns the corner and they've got a burmese python around their neck i'm gonna jump back and go holy shit and then i, mean, I give them I a that's wide pretty, that's pretty much anybody i would hope so you know but it's no, not I, an unreasonable response no <laughs> yeah. no i i i don't like handling them i don't like messing with them i respect them they're they're fascinating animals i just my big thing is, if you own a pet snake, don't put videos and pictures of it eating on social media. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Nobody I'm thinking about those like few guys who are giggling here, and you say that, like... <laughs> uh, he knows. He knows. You know. 
It's yeah. just, oh, God. Because I'm scrolling all of a sudden, Jesus Christ, that, that rat. And, ugh, I don't like that. But I <laughs> yeah. respect it. And, and I think, actually, it's unfortunate how they've been so maligned in pop culture and in mythology. You know, people go out of their way. They see a snake, they go out of their way to kill it. And it's like, yeah, well, that's how you get plague. You know, because <laughs> now the rats are going to be around. So I get they've, mm. they've got a place and they're amazing creatures, um, but I I don't mind them also being sometimes shown in this light because I get that it's yeah. a cultural thing and it's a historical thing, as long as you don't actually take it seriously. But did, you yeah, know so I, I was okay with it. I want to say, like, I did watch this video. Um, it was probably, it was either sometime this year or last year, talking about, like, why do we, why is there some, why are snakes depicted as evil? And there's a theory that it might stem from, like, this, like, from our, like, early, early ancestors, like, early mammals when they were the size of mice ancestors, and that was the villain, you know, that, like, the mice, or the, you know, that early stage of, um, mammals and shit just, like, inherit, like, serpent-like creatures are a natural-born enemy, and it just stayed, as we just yeah the, for the millions I, of years I've, I've heard that and i've heard it expanded even that that's why humanity in various different cultures all came up with dragons independently because a dragon is a serpent mixed with some kind of large flying organism and if you think back to primitive mammals it was like you're going to be eaten by a snake or be eaten by a hawk so that's where we get our dragons from i don't know if i buy it but I, yeah, i've heard that yeah. proposed you know, I, I'm not sure. If I don't I, think I buy it, but I'd see him. But well, it, fuck it, you guys. Though. No, I'm you know what? Track my make, statement. It would make for an interesting <laughs> no, Ken Russell movie. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It, yeah, I, I get where it comes from. It's like, okay, I can see that, but I, I don't think there's actually any strong evidence for it. But it is a neat concept. I totally um, think that. I um, do want to. Can we? Should can we briefly talk about? just everything that she did in that one scene with the with the i'm not gonna say boy scout but i can't think of any like the you know what i'm talking about the kid she picks up yeah, like the, the, the kid she picks up and plays shoots and ladders with the youth hostel yeah the they just play shit. yeah yeah she's a, yeah. Th- it this is one of those moments where you like you can't tell if this movie's trying to be a serious horror movie or a comedy it's listed as a comedy but it's yeah. just like mm-hmm. You, it's hard to tell like is this intentional yeah. but this whole seductive game that she's playing with this like teen she's in her lingerie and they're playing fucking shoots and ladders snakes, 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 and, snakes and, ladders. and ladders that's right it's snakes and ladders my apologies and it's like that's also how hugh grant's character like connects everything at the when he finally comes down to figuring it out he's like snakes and ladders like that's because he sees the game board in her that that was it too yeah. but there's even that scene where he comes in hugh grant's character and she has to like pretty much kill the boy hide the boy in water and shit but like he's like talking to her and she's like oh yeah i have this terrible fear of snakes like she's trying to like subtract from her like try to distance herself from being connected to these snakes snake things and he's like but you play snakes and ladders she's um well it's kind of like she just keeps trying to expand this bullshit story and i'm like this is the funniest fucking thing like yeah because it's this is supposed to be tense anybody (laughs) no it's not not tense it becomes a comedy at that point exactly like that's the moment like yeah i'm having fun now (laughs) it's like that was the moment where it started like yeah this is this is a comedy this is great (laughs) 
and you could yeah. i think you can always tell you're dealing with a really like great performance or a great actor actress um when they do that like hugh grant kind of sleepwalks his way through this movie but you put him in a scene with her and all of a sudden it's like whoa this is working all of a sudden like he's you know she made uh, him better right uh, so she she you know makes everybody in the cast a little a little better by you know just doing everything perfectly <laughs> so um so kudos. so that's why i think a lot of ways she makes this movie what it is but it's um uh, i agree and you know i don't know peter capaldi's trying i don't know about anybody else but he, i guess well, paul, you mentioned paul brook paul brook's given his all yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I guess I gotta I gotta say you know because we're kind of wrapping things up here. If you had to give Layer of the White Worm a grade, uh, Eric, we'll start with you. What do you think? Oh, this one's. I mean, this is just. Did it exactly live up? Did it live perfect... up to the hype that you built up for yourself? For me, and that's <laughs> it's just because it kind of fits every perfect thing about like what i love about cult movies or monster movies or whatever it was kind of a classical british monster movie with you know kind of classical special effects and um it's a bit of a vampire film that's another one of my things i'm you know kind of a huge fan of um it's also a bit of a cult movie a bit of a comedy and it's got this kind of crazy all these crazy dream sequences and i don't know just everything about it 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 just was a perfect movie for me uh, so I thought it was fantastic, and it, it lived up to it. Um, what I thought I was getting into, and possibly some more, is this movie for everybody? Like, are you gonna love it as much as me? I don't know. This seems like it was pretty well. Like this, if you were to like check all the boxes of things that I love in movies, you might come out with something similar to this. So, um, kind of just giving you a little bit of a uh, disclaimer on my super high grade that I'm gonna give this. But I just had a ton <laughs> of fun with it. Loved it from like pretty much the get go, and it only it just got better. I started, you know, kind of getting the humor of it. Uh, really loved Amanda Donahue's performance. Loved the batshit craziness about it. Uh, loved the monsters and just the whole kind of uh, classical kind of Hammer film feel of it. So yeah, this one's an A for me. I I, I liked it a lot. So. Impressive, Ryan and you. Um, it's 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 God, it's it's fun. Um. And I've said a lot of my like things about it, and and like I wasn't really sold on. There's a lot of parts where I'm just like, this is this is just dragon, and like it's whatever. I, but um, and other parts where I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get into this. Like I will say, I didn't do any, I didn't do other things as I watched this movie. Like with some of our movies that we've done, uh, even my own suggestions. Um, so it's like this movie kept me engaged, and like it it's perfectly said and i keep saying it and i'll say it again because this is how i do it like this is a doctor who episode like this is this is like a good doctor who episode but with a higher kind of uh rating um but i will say that the end the very end the last five minutes of it the last three minutes of it is where i'm just like that's the perfect way to end this and i brought this up we didn't talk about it yet but i'm gonna bring it in in my final bit is at one point in the in the movie, Capaldi is trying to find the the queen, and he he stabs us. He injects himself with this uh, serum, and they give no explanation at that point. But at one point, he kind of wakes up like during the ritual, saves the day, and goes home, uh, and explains to the girls as he's given her this injection, like I got this serum made based on the compound of the venom that I extracted. Um, so it works as an anic- uh, an antidote. 
And then fast forward to the very end, he gets a call from the fucking doctor's office. <laughs> and um, after the victory, everything's said and done, everything's great. He gets a call from the doctor's office saying, oh, hey, just letting you know that we gave you the wrong serum. We actually gave you something that's supposed to treat arthritis. I have your serum here. But, you know, that's it. I uh, just wanted to let you know. Okay, thanks. Bye. Like, it's nothing serious to them. But he's just, like, horrified. Like, oh, God. Wait a minute. I was bitten. Like, I don't have an, an-, an antidote. And he just looks at the mirror. And he, gets in the, and he gets in the car with Hugh Grant's character. And they're driving. And, he, and Hugh Grant's like, yeah, you know, let's go get, get dinner. And there's just this... This, this is the best... This is this even use the line stop for a bite like isn't that a no it's Capaldi is just that this is this this is what makes Capaldi a great actor he doesn't really say anything <laughs> he just makes this like sinister look on his face looks over and goes I would like that and then like Hugh Grant like shifts the gear in the car and it lifts up the kilt and sh- and it shows the bite on his knee and like <laughs> yeah. he just looks at they just look at each other and the movie ends. And then it start, and the movie ends with the fucking song that Joe was talking about, the punk song, which Capaldi is a punk fucking ba- uh, guitar player uh, in his youth, and it's just like, yep, that was the perfect fucking ending. This this uh, this solidified like this is a Twelve Doctor story <laughs> for me uh, in the stupidest way. Um, I I I don't know if I can give this an A. But I definitely give it a high B plus. Like, if not, maybe an A minus. Like, I, it's 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 fun. Awesome. That was that was my lengthy fucking review. Okay. That's, no, that's great because you know what? I, I think I'm gonna hit on a lot of the same points you both did. Um, it's it's kind of I I go back to and I've mentioned some of these things too, but just to bring them up again. Peter Capaldi, and then I'm gonna need some time for research line. Oh God, I, I'm filling notes on that one on my phone, being like heart emoji. <laughs> because seriously, like, oh God, I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to hear a scientist character in a movie say, "You need to be fucking patient. I need to look this shit up." God, I love that. Um, but on top of that, y- you know, it really good, kind of fun, creepy makeup. Uh, visual effects beside that a little weird but the makeup is is fun uh the basic core is pretty standard fare you have the mysterious extensive provocative type who's actually evil and all the characters otherwise are pretty standard it's cool to see peter capaldi as the hero even though he isn't really top build hugh grant gets that but he doesn't really do shit in the movie um at least not on screen he just talks about it after the fact like a smug englishman um that oh, ending... that being said, the way the movie ends makes me think like, oh yeah, he just got killed. Yeah, well, I mean, the yeah. ending oh, conversation yeah, sure. with the two with the bad exhibition is hard to sit through, and the twist ending is like deliciously lame. Like it's it is the mm-hmm. best way to to end it. Um, the creature effects are like enjoyably bad, but again, I my thesis on this film, seeing Paul oh, he's Brooke ripping out the thesis as Ernie the cop. <laughs> yeah. That comes the, back to that. It comes back to it. That the, Malakili, the Rancor handler, doing a vampire snake dance while the doctor plays the bagpipes is worth the price of admission. And I, I would argue it's impossible to hate this movie. You can love oh. it. Absolutely, it does have a cult status. I think we're now part of it. People find it mediocre, <laughs> yeah. sure, and, and find it bad and boring. Absolutely, I could see if it's not for everybody, but hate it? No, because it has that scene. 
<laughs> That's going to be the clip on this on, on this little card for when we post this episode. Is going to just be the it, bagpipes. It's, that, it's it personally for me. I'm going to give it. It's an A minus because yeah. I, there's some stuff that like okay, it was enjoyably bad, but it could have been better there. Okay, but it, and it certainly isn't for everybody. But hey, Layer of the White Worm. It's an F list fucking movie. Uh, a minus. I'd say A minus. I'm changing my. Yeah, can, I, this movie can't be failed. No, completely. Yeah, agreed. And that says something. That's so, great. That's what I meant. Like, <laughs> that's what I meant by thesis, dicks. <laughs> thesis, dicks is also the name of this movie. Uh, that's my yeah. new. That's my own <laughs> that's alternative thesis of this movie. Is dicks just dicks ahoy? Absolutely. Yeah, we didn't even mention the ending part when the you know lead villainess straps on a giant snake penis and uh attempts to what impale I the mean, virgin sacrifice i was trying, to find, I was trying to find a way not to say kill fuck like that was kill just sounded like it was way too awful of a thing to say but i just said it anyway you did but, just say like, it. <laughs> you can so, see that in anyway, any movie that's for... in every movie that's in like that's in, that's that's in Wizard of Oz. That's in every year. Yeah. That's in Impale Wizard of Oz. What? Better, can we talk about what fucking Wizard of Oz that you're watching? Not, is it the Todd McFarlane <laughs> comic? Apparently not version? the one you have been, Ryan. No, I'm not watching the one where somebody gets fucking uh, dick fucked to death. I never said it happened. I said it was. Anyway, threat. we did talk about a lot of you know the phallic imagery, but the fact that it actually comes down to that's the way she was going to be sacrificed to the worm, or at least part oh, of the and, and then the that awesome shit because when the worm starts coming up and she's like, what was it like? No, no, no time no, for no ceremony. Time, yeah. time for ritual. No time for ceremony. Yeah, this is like yeah. oh shit, this is getting serious. This is why women make better fucking uh, uh, cult leaders. And villainesses because if you have a male, it's like, well, I gotta get my rocks off. I'm like, this is how you fail. I put like, on you're the not... robe, guys. I already put on the robe. <laughs> yeah. I gotta like... do it now. Oh, I got it up and everything. Oh, layer of the white worm, 1988. I would love to know if any of our listeners though have any thoughts or memories of this one, especially if you go ahead and check it out on Tubi if you haven't already. It's on Tubi TV for free to watch. They don't pay us to say that. But if you do have any questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms about Lair of the White Worm or any of the other movies that we review here on the Video Junk Air Podcast, please feel free to get a hold of us. You can email us at videojunkairpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us a tweet at videojunkpod or find us on Facebook at Video Junk Air Podcast, our main page, and the Video Junk Air Podcast Facebook group. We would love to hear from you. We also take telegraphs now. Uh, we don't know how, but, you know, the world's changing. Um, telegrams telegrams yeah or just straight up morse code just you know yeah just just beep 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 away man if you find a passenger pigeon then please let us know they're extinct so please we will feed it to our white snake so um coming up on the podcast uh actually going to be a surprise to everyone because i think i've changed what i'm picking for next week but we're going to be looking at the um cult film shockwaves oh. and uh we are going to that is available on tubi tv we've been picking everything from tubi tv since the beginning of the um pandemic situation and are going to the continue doing COVID. that also throughout the month of october we're going to be looking at um not quite as heavily themed as we've done in the past but certainly uh we're going to kind of stay in the horror genre so horror and monster movies to kind of you know work our way up to halloween count down to halloween so um yeah Awesome. Don't pregame too much. Awesome. And I want to thank 
everybody for listening tonight. I also want to thank Ryan for joining us this evening for Layer of the White Worm. Of course. Happy to do it. Great to have you back on. Great to have you back on. And Eric, thank you once again. And we want to thank, like I said, thank everybody for listening to the Video Junkyard podcast and for tuning in. Please feel free to share this around. Tell your friends and family. Tell your grandma. Who knows? She might actually like it. Until next time, (laughs) this is Joe Peterson. I'm Eric O'Branson. Um, this is Ryan Sasko. One, two, three, four. John Dampton went up fishing once, out fishing in the weir. He caught a fish up on his hook. He thought, look, mighty queer. Now what the kind of fish it was, John Dampton couldn't tell. But he didn't like the look of it, so he threw it down a well. For some booze If it felt dry upon the road It milked a dozen crows <laughs> This fearful worm went up and feed On cows and lamb and sheep And swallow little babes alive When they lay down to sleep So John set out and caught the beast And cut it into halves And that soon stopped it Eating babes and sheep and lambs and cats And lots of sleep and lived in mortal fear. So drink the help of Sir John, who kept the baits from harm. Save cows and cows by making hops of that famous Dumpton worm. listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard? <laughs>